Hi, thanks for tuning into the Bacon Water Podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Spartan Dog 97, and I normally co-host this podcast with Lucas at MSU Devotee on Twitter and Brett at Odell Bretham Jr. on Twitter. And we drop episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, our Tuesday episodes are usually either mailbag episodes or talks with talks with members of the 2021 football recruiting class. And then our Thursday episodes are more traditional podcasts, you know, shooting the breeze. Uh, we talk about a, a wide range of topics right now. We're going through the Star Wars prequel trilogy and deciding how we would, quote unquote, fix them. And, you know, it's been really fun. Uh, we had Coach Dane Fife on today, which is probably the reason why you're here. And he was an awesome guest. It was a long, wide-ranging, freewheeling discussion. And Coach Fife is a great guy, a great coach. And I don't want to hold you up any longer. So here is me introducing Coach Dane Fife. We can, yeah, I'm fine with that. No, It'd be great content. It'd be great content. No, I'm fine. I don't All care. Right. All right. We now welcome on um, a very special guest, Coach Dane Fife. Uh, coach, you know, we kind of ask all our guests this since, you know, we're kind of all cooped up in our houses. You know, how are you holding up? How's quarantine going for you? Miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I just got an argument uh, with my 10 year old about. She couldn't eat blueberries, or she, she didn't want to eat blueberries, and um, I said she couldn't go outside if she didn't, and um, she didn't eat the blueberries and still somehow found a way outside, <laughs> and uh, those are the little things that go on in these great American households that people don't hear about. I uh, went for a bike, ride, a bike ride. I couldn't find anybody to go with me. Um, I usually ask our uh, a neighbor. Uh, but he's he's not even uh, interested in riding bikes with me anymore. I drove by, stopped at Coach Izzo's house. I'm trying to get a basketball hoop, and I think the whole family was hiding from me. So, <laughs> so somebody's benefiting from this um, quarantine. They weren't hiding; they were just social distancing. That was, you know, they're just they're doing their part. Well, I think the the shades the 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 shades were open, but I. I didn't see any movement. I think they were ducked down below. But needless to say, uh, quarantines, it's, it's been okay. You know, we, we all put in a lot of hours uh, doing what we do. Some of you guys spend a lot of time on Twitter, and some, some of us coach. Some of us do different things at our, our own jobs. It'll be interesting to see when this thing gets going again. And it's gonna be, I think it's going to be harder than, than what people think, and I think even harder than, harder than what I think, to get back into flow. You know, I, I think that at first time that uh, we have a staff meeting and, and uh, everything, everything goes haywire, and uh, it's going to be a shock to all of us. It's, it's going to be foreign territory for a while. Yeah. Right. You know, I was, I was kind of uh, – we were all kind of wondering about that is, you know, what kind of – what kind of activities are you doing with the team right now? Like, are you holding workouts? Are you holding meetings or, you know, is the staff meeting? Like, what is your, you know, what's the schedule like right now? Well, we, we, 
we're still in, we're taking online classes as some of you uh, may be able to remember back in your heydays. Uh, but uh, Spartan Dog 97, did they have internet when you were dogging? <laughs> uh, just barely, you know, it was still, the Pony Express was still a huge thing back when I was in school, so. Couldn't use the landline. We're going to find Big Sav's diploma somewhere. <laughs> Even if it's Keep from Trump on University. <laughs> oh, wow. We're going that route already. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I, um, we, we do Zoom meetings once or twice a week with our players. We do staff meetings. Um, we'll have some recruit conversations, but we're really limited. Uh, right now, about this time, we'd be having um, different recruits on campus, and they would come in and meet our players and spend a lot of time, and that's where we make our hey, That's where we're able to, um, you know, when we've got to recruit against the, the schools that we recruit against, um, you know, the, the best thing that we have to offer is our, is our people. And, um, you know, Coach Izzo is going to spend a lot of time with, kids and their families and our players understand that um you know that that they need to spend time with it too um but that said uh you know we'll communicate you know we all talk to each other as a staff we all check in with our players i talked to rocket for a while the other day talked to foster talked to joey hauser um, you've probably seen on aaron henry's uh, one of his social media accounts he's somewhere around around the country <laughs> um, so, you know, we talk, we try to stay plugged in with all of our players. We've got Julius down in Dallas. We've got Malik in, in Illinois. Um, we're, we're just anxious to get this thing back going. And, you know, you become a family, kind of like the, the five of us have become brothers on Twitter. <laughs> um, but, you know, it would be nice to, to see those guys again and be around them. Um, it ended just so abruptly, so it was tough. So I think there'll be, eventually, we'll, we'll all need a little closure on the season. And I think that um, all of us can agree, um, at least uh, out of social media, that uh, we were playing pretty well towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably your best basketball. Oh, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, that was, um, that really hurt, you know, kind of, oh. as, a, as a fan, as a supporter of MSU, yeah. as a student, and, you know, just to see that, you know, to see everyone go out like that. It was just, it was so. It's just another reason to hate COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It really is. As, as if yeah. the list needed to be longer. Right. I think right. it's Especially, the what if now for me for basketball. Yeah. Out of yeah. That list. What, probably what that and the UConn game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, you know, um, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, going off of that, one of the things I want to ask you was I, I was wondering how like you specifically handled that announcement when the season was canceled, uh, right in you know mid May or right before the Big Ten tournament. Because I know, you know, it's it's pretty emotional going through that whole that whole season with the ups and downs, and then you're you know you're hitting your stride, and then it just ends. I'm just kind of wondering how you know how you specifically went through that. Well, I I don't claim to be tough at all. Mm -hmm. um, I come, but I come from the kind of my background is, you know, football, being macho, being tough, being, Hey, I'm not scared of this and that. And, uh, I was kind of, uh, I was the guy that was listening to both Fox news 
on this end and then MSNBC on this end. So I was really confused. I was just, hey, let's just take it as um, it's it's bad for those that are sick and it's okay for people our right. age. Who cares? Let's go play. Let's go down to Indy and play. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was kind of my thought process. And that was, that was obviously wrong. And I think uh, it was based on the information that both we, that I was receiving and that I was willing to listen to, you know, I had some, some earmuffs on a little bit. I had a filter going on, but I, I'll, I'll tell you this, when we found out that we weren't going to the big 10 tournament, we were still practicing in the, in the practice facility at, at, uh, at the Breslin center. And it was probably, we're just getting ready to end practice. It was about 1140 AM. We were leaving at one to drive down to Indy. And, um, you know, as far as we knew, we started at what time? Probably about 10. As far as we knew, um, the game was going on. I think it was who it wasn't quite Michigan. It was somebody else. But then I think Michigan and uh, Michigan maybe and Rutgers. Yeah. So they hadn't started yet. But right. Or no, they were. Starting. There was one game the night before. There was there was the game okay, the night that's before. One I can't remember. Nebraska. Nebraska, I think. Because Coach, Coach Hoiberg got sick and everybody yeah. thought he might have had it. Yeah. 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 So everyone was like that's freaking right. out about that. So, yeah, so there was a game starting at noon. That might have been what it was. But yeah. um, Mike Garland came over and whispered in my ear, man, they just canceled the whole thing. And uh, my heart, my stomach, just like a kick in the gut. And um, somehow the player, most of the players knew. Um, Coach Izzo has a tendency to, uh, you know, get a little loose-lipped. Uh, <laughs> so I think, he, uh, I think he was the one. Uh, leaking the leaking the the uh, the info, so uh, you know it was just our guys. I think they had it was just it was tough, especially for a guy like Cash who'd who'd been through the storm, and um, you know a, a a guy like Rocket who is so competitive. I mean that you can say anything you want about Rock, but never question his competitiveness and his, his desire to win. And so um, it was just tough. And then, you know, guys like X and Aaron that are testing the NBA waters right now, um, if that's their goal, you know, or that is, uh, you know, something they really want to do and think they can do by all means do it. But the, the tournament, you know, those postseason tournaments are where a lot of guys really, you know, make a, make a bigger name for themselves. Right. And even looking right. back a couple of years ago, one of the guys I always think of is uh, Ryan Archie Diakon. I'm sorry, uh, exactly. Dante DiVincenzo with yeah. uh, Villanova. He, he went from yeah. a guy who's surefire coming back, and then he goes yeah. off in the national championship, and he becomes a yeah. lottery pick. So, yeah. I mean, and yeah, going back to kind of what you said about Rocket, even like following his Instagram live stories and everything, he's always talking about, I'm going to be in, I'm, go, I'm going to go lift. People meet me there. I'm going to go run a hill and he'll like invite people from his live videos. Like, Hey, let's go run this hill. Where can I find a hill? Right. And so <laughs> you can tell like that guy has like a different attitude about him. Yeah, he really does. And, you know, speaking of rocket, um, I, like I said, I was talking to him the other day just about next season, but then I was, you know, he said, man, I can't believe we didn't get a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to, to finish the year and, um, you know, I, I just I, I kind of noted to myself and him. I just rock. It was incredible how you were figuring it out. You know, you were understanding the difference between 
a good shot and an awful shot. <laughs> I said, <laughs> yeah, you know, you and coach argued all day about your step back three rock and all coach is trying to say is, dude, you can get that shot off at the start of the shot clock or the end, but no matter how you look at it, it, it is not a high percentage shot. Um, and it's, it's one of those that it, if you're going to shoot it, you better make it, especially with 20 seconds on the clock. And just trying to say, Rock, get in the paint. Either make a play for you, make a play for somebody else. You can do that. And if they stop you, which they probably won't, then you go to your step back fall away three. Yeah. I can see Big Sav won't reveal that that uh, those beautiful uh, COVID uh, locks, but I know that he's, <laughs> he's grinning ear to ear right now, thinking of those well, step backs. I, yeah, I thought it was <laughs> really cool how – him more than any other player I've ever seen uh, really in the past. I mean, I've started paying attention to MSU basketball for the past like 15 years is that um, he is so unique in that you kind of still have to let him be himself. You have to let him be himself. Um, And he, his leash was a lot longer than most people have ever seen. Um, And I think that he really, learn throughout the whole season and like the last month or four games or so like that whole run at the end just doesn't happen without him you know mm-hmm. becoming a better yeah. defender uh just i don't know he it was just really cool You're to right. see that whole the whole season yeah yeah and and you got to keep in mind you know this is a guy that's you know he's changed schools a couple times one closed down something happened lost his coach right. and, um you know, he's just always, and, and a lot of the players, it's tough. He's, they've, they've had the ball in their hands at all times. And so, you know, they're constant getting thrown in their face and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta score. You gotta do the N one mixtape. You gotta do all this. And then they get to real basketball. <laughs> no, you, there's no time for that, man. We yeah. don't have time for that. You know, there's, it, it, it would be different if it's the NBA because you have everybody's a pretty good player and everybody understands and gets paid millions of dollars to do their niche. Whereas in college, you've got freshmen, you've got sophomores, you've got juniors, you've got role players that, and you've got to understand that good shots matter because not, you can't make up for it like you can in say the NBA, but even the NBA, you know, there's very few that have the leash that you're describing there, Big Sab, but you're right, and it's a good point with Rock. You know, and, and I think some players would struggle with that. Why does Rocky get to shoot that and I don't? Well, you guys are at different points in your career and in your understanding of what it takes to win at this level. That's why. So I'm not going to take Rocket out necessarily or take a guy out that took a bad shot and just totally take his his mindset away. And – the other part is getting young guys to understand their role and what's necessary. I thought that was a good point. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, right now that um, X and Aaron Henry are kind of testing the NBA waters when a player comes to you or a member of the staff and they say, you know, I think I want to, you know, go out there and see where I'm at in the, in the draft process. You know, what's that, what's that advising like from your end? Well, I think the, it's pretty similar to what happens with the um, with the recruit coming out of high school. Um, you go over the pros and cons, okay? So 
you know, Aaron, if you go to the NBA, then you're there. There's no need. But if you go and come back, let's look at what you're going to get out of this and what you want out of this. And, um, yeah, I think the, the, the common theme right now, and uh, I think it's, it's across the board is, well, whether I go or not, I think I still may need to, I, I want to test the waters and, and get feedback. Well, I, I guess I don't disagree with the statement other than the fact that we are in constant contact with the NBA. I mean, it's everyday guys that we have a scout in practice or several, or we're talking to one. And it's almost like, um, you know, we, we college coaches, you hear something like, well, I'm just, I'll get feedback. Well, I, we give you feedback every day and, I don't know that, you know, maybe, maybe you're not listening, but uh, we're giving you the feedback that you're going to receive. You, you know, it's, 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 um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because there's a, it's a double-edged sword. Okay. I, I, I want to show that I think I'm good enough. I want to, I want to get the feedback, but the, the flip side is, is, all right, so if you go to a combine that they don't have right now, but if or you go to a workout and do terrible, okay, because you're not, you're you're only one foot in, you know, like well, I'm going to test the waters, um, then, you know, you, you only get one shot, so so you leave a if you leave a bad impression, that stuff circulates over the course of the year. The NBA guys, those guys, those scouts, they all talk just like we coaches talk when we're on the road. You know, if we're sitting in a gym and we're sitting with other Big Ten coaches, there's a good chance, hey, what do you think of this guy? Well, love him. Dad's a moron. <laughs> Not yeah. recruitable. You know, like we talk too, just like the NBA would. Hey, I heard he was uh, – this guy was in a workout with Minnesota and he was awful. He shot uh, 100 threes in the three-point shooting test. He shot 30%, you know. Mm-hmm as opposed to having both feet in and that doesn't circulate as quick. You can go to Minnesota, to Phoenix, to da, 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 all in the span of five days and you might be great with one of them, you know, and it's, it's a double-edged sword guys. That's, that's a tough deal. But I guess as we look at it with Aaron and X, you know, we're going to do what they want. Okay. And we're going to support them in every way that we can. But the one thing we try to do is give them, all right. So, um, you know, uh, big sap, you're going <laughs> to test the waters. All right. Well, well, here's what we're hearing. Okay. We're hearing that, um, you're, you're a five, nine undersized center. <laughs> when, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. When, when, you know, that, that, um, plays below the rim, you know, that might be great for, you know, your local high school JV team as a senior, but the problem is, is, um, you know, that's, you got to expand your game a little bit. Right. And, or, you know, we're, what the NBA has done a good thing now. So what they've done is, so if Big Sav announces he's going to the league, okay, he puts his name in, it's going to circulate. They have this advisory board. So Big Sav's name circulates to every team. And then they determine, okay, so, um, you know, we've got 29 teams that say he's, he's undraftable. We're not going to draft him. And the 30th team didn't know who the hell he was. 
So, um, so with that in mind, these guys get feedback. So maybe, um, you know, dog 97, DOG 97, um, gets told, okay, so 15 teams said you're, uh, 31 to 45 in, in the draft and, uh, 13 teams said you're, uh, 45 to 60. And then, um, three teams or two teams said, uh, that you're, um, 20 to 30. So first round, so they, they'll give you their, that, their percentages, but that's something that's, that's really helped, um, for, for most. Now, I think there's 170 early entrants, fellas. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Yeah. right. The numbers, a lot. they don't add up. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then I, I don't even know if the Europeans are factored in, but Coach Izzolite says it all the time. There's usually 10, 8 to 10 Europeans in the first round every it's time. There's a France so guy. T- yeah, the, yeah, the stash they players. They're just going to draft them and yeah. stash them. Yep. Yeah, and so so there's 20 slots there. You know, and I, I just think that, that you know, just like in, in um, you know, the pay-for-play and all that stuff, I think that, you know, parents are going to do what's best for their kids. And the kid is going to follow – most of these kids aren't just enamored with, with money and, ah, you know, Miles could care less. Jaron Jackson could care less. And they're both from opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and, and really what's going on is it's not the kid and it's not the parents. It's usually somebody else from another, right. You know, entity that is trying to manipulate these people, you know, at their convenience. Oh, okay. This guy's got talent. Well, Hey, you know, Hey, coach Izzo doesn't get that guy enough shots. He's got to get more shots, you know, mm-hmm. and, and parents are usually naive enough to where they'll believe every anything because they want to mm-hmm. see their kids successful. And, and so, that's kind of the issue right now is the advice wow. that, that the, and, and that's really what Matt Painter was trying to say the other day. Yes. The advice that these guys are getting are, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's not them, you know, it's not them. It doesn't start with them generally. Now I'm not going to say that as a, as a hundred percent certainty with hundred percent certainty, but it's not them. It's, it's usually their parents or their people that are close to them that are being manipulated and you know what it comes down to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, you know, that's that's one of the things that I think is, you know, kind of clouded right now is just everything's so up in the air. Like there's no yeah. certainty, right? We're all kind yeah. of on a timeline yeah. of, well, when infections get to this point, we'll be able to reopen. And there's no, like, yeah. there's no certainty when it's going to get there. You know, it's just kind of. Yeah. Um, I want to yeah. backtrack a little bit and go – all the way back to your playing career so me yeah you oh yeah. boy <laughs> yep. so uh you played you played at indiana for uh coach for coach knight legendary coach the general um, yeah on a scale from one to ten um how good did you get at dodging flying chairs towards the end of your <laughs> career you know <laughs> you know what um i just felt coach knight was was you know his his hero was general george Patton. i shouldn't say his hero but he talked about Patton a lot he liked Patton. he was kind of studied Patton, and um and so he was a military guy and 
disciplinarian and discipline wins just like in the, in the military. And so um, there is a big misconception about the general and the, it's kind of like coach Izzo, you know, the, the camera catches what, what, the what I want, the, the excitement, the drama. Right. And I would say that in practice, unless we played like crap, we lost to Purdue or I don't know, somebody got bad grades. Coach Knight was really complimentary. And, you know, the, the, the allegations of, you know, abuse and, and all those th- verbal abuse. And uh, it just depends on the, the ears that's receiving it. You know, I never, ever at any point thought that coach when I played and I, we, I was only with him for two years, but he said some stuff now, but I never, it, I, I still wouldn't process it as verbal abuse. It wasn't, um, I guess you could you could call some of it degrading if if he's yelling at a player or making a player stand in the middle of the court, making him yell because he keeps swearing. He makes the player because the player keeps swearing to scream the obscenity that he yelled at all four corners of Assembly Hall, an empty Assembly Hall, until until he's satisfied. But I don't know. I I, um, I never processed it as 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 abuse, and I still don't. So. You know, with that in mind, um, he, he and Coach Isler are similar from the standpoint that I'm going to teach you to have extreme discipline because that really is the only way, especially because we're not getting, you know, the McDonald's All-Americans to just show up and beat people. And that's really the just. Now, how you, how you, how you get there? You know, that's where we can make some debates. But um, the discipline component of being consistent every single day in what you do, that's really what those two guys do. But, you know, if you see Coach yelling at a player, uh, do we have any parents in this group? <laughs> Not that you know, we know I'm of. The dad yeah. of Bacon, I'm the dad yeah. of Bacon Wire, so yeah. I guess that's Well, let's, let's think about our own parents or whoever raised us. Right. What happened – if you did something poorly or bad or you screwed up in the classroom, you know, you get your, you, you get, you, you at, at a minimum, get your, get, get yelled at with some anger, with some intensity, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. minimum. Yep. Yeah. That sounds, that and, sounds familiar. And it was funny because when coach was talking to coach uh, Dan Dockage the other day, oh. he, he was saying he had, a, he has a meeting with parents every year. And he does. He has a meeting with our parents every year. And he says, I know it's high school, Harry, but I don't care. But he says to each parent, to the parent, to the group, if your son's not gets caught, if your son is skipping class, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Yeah. And, and like he said, he goes, you know, we're all together. So our parents like, do what you got to do, coach. But, you know, when it comes to basketball and, hey, look, <laughs> You know, your son's not practicing hard or your son's not going hard. Well, says who? Says the NBA. I mean, <laughs> guy doesn't have a motor. <laughs> yeah. You know, what yeah. do you want us to What do you want me to do? You know, your son doesn't communicate very well. <laughs> that's part of it. You know, he's a point guard. He better learn to talk. Doesn't learn to talk. That's a problem. <laughs> Regarding those uh, Izzo and Painter interviews with Dan Dockage, because this whole podcast kind of sparked from that topic. Um, 
I, you know, what that, the first little exchange, admittedly, I had not heard exactly what uh, Painter had said, the whole thing. There, that one quote I did disagree with about the once you walk out the door, you're not a boilermaker. I do disagree with that, but he, in the whole half an hour, he did make some good points. Yeah. Um, and one of them that I thought was really interesting was how the people, the, the kids that are, you know, looking at the NBA uh, yeah. and how he was using specific examples from prior players uh, about mm -hmm. their work ethic and their, their drive and things like that. And then also just the NBA in general, uh, how it's, in my opinion, it's the hardest league to make it in out of all the American professional sports. Yeah. Um, and I was just kind of wondering, like with you, uh, with you and, and Tom and, you know, the, all the whole coaching staff is like how you approach how he was talking about, you know, he was saying like, uh, Etwan Moore would work on his body all the time and he would, he would go into the gym late and work out and um and how Carson Edwards wakes up dreaming about three-pointers and just how they were just like more different than other players and those are you know the people that have made it you know I mean yeah. maybe they're not like stars or anything but they're in the league they're fighting for a rotation um I'm just wondering like if you use kind of that similar philosophy uh with uh you know prior players or anything like that well I think the the fact of the matter is is Let's take Bryn Forbes, for example, and it's well documented that um, Bryn would come in and shoot thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of shots. And his fingers would legitimately be split open. I mean, we're talking big cuts right here, just super glued together. And, but it didn't matter because Bryn was, was driven to be an NBA player. And it's still surprising to me that he that he made it because, um, you know, he was just so scrawny as a high school player. And he was he was a good shooter in um, high school. I didn't necessarily had had uh, have him categorized as a great shooter. I'm not sure anybody had. Um, but you just you really don't see like we hear Jim rat a lot, but. If we go into the gym, most of the time we'll see that gym rat working at half speed, three quarter speed, but that's all. That's all it is now. Like, like the the workout guru, the workout guru. Like, it's been that way for a while. But I can remember when I was a GA back in uh, 03 and 04, and the players would ask me to come in and and work them out, and it finally dawned on me that. Well, of course they're going to ask me because I'm not going to really confront them. I'm a GA. I'm not going to go at them and push them and report back to the coach. Hey, this guy wasn't working hard. And so you do what you get away with. But Bryn, you didn't have to do that with. Denzel, you didn't have to do that with. Um, and then there's guys like Gary. Like Gary Harris came in and he was a good worker. Um and a willing, great, great worker, but I don't think he really knew what it took. And I would say that Denzel showed him the way of how to be a great worker. Okay, coach wants you to come in. And so we go to practice, we practice, and then coach said to come back and shoot 100 free throws. Okay, fine. That's good. Good job. But what about on your own? You know, are you going to, do we have to make you and beg you to come in or are you going to come in and on, on your own? And so barring any injuries, um, 
what I've seen with Coach Izzo especially, um, that if, you, if you're driven to do those things, you're going to be a pro. And now, you see how many pros we have or guys that have made it to the NBA? Now, there's plenty of pros. There's plenty of guys. And um, I will say that there's certain guys that got hurt um, that didn't make it. But, you know, it's going to reward the guys that, that put in the work. You know, like the game is going to reward you, okay? But the other part is you have to, you have to listen. And you have to be coachable. And coachable is, is various things, but you have to listen when Coach Izzo says, you got to get in and work on your free throws, man. You know, like we, we had a talk with Aaron Henry at the end of the year. It was, Aaron, we got to get you to the free throw line more. He was, he was elite at the end of the year, and I think he was at 12 and 6 or 12 and 7, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And Coach just showed him. They were just, even to me, it was mind-boggling, like how Aaron could get five more points with ease. And it, it's, it's, it's not all Aaron's fault, with, which Coach said. You know, it's not all your fault, Aaron. I've got to get you the ball where you need it. I've got, you know, we could have got you a couple baskets here and there. But the point is that, Aaron, if you average 16 and, and 8, there's no test the waters. It's you're out and you're, you're lottery. Yep. You know, Denzel was lottery. Um, because when you get to the free throw line, that's where you get your confidence. And Aaron's a pretty good free throw shooter. Um, you get in the paint. Um, he's pretty, you know, you, you're pretty good. And Aaron's lethal in the paint. Um, but big Sav, I kind of branched off there. Um, you know, with, with, uh, with, with, with coach painter, uh, I think we, we agreed on, we know as coaches, we got to be careful talking negative about any player. Um, but you know, the boil, the, the, once you leave, that's a tough one. You know, it's, it's, it's once you leave and join another team, you know, it's, the coaching profession, I, I do believe that, you know, Bob Knight goes to Texas Tech after being fired from Indiana, but Bob Knight's still a Hoosier. Now, the difference is, is Luke Recker was a great player my freshman year for Indiana. Uh, he was my roommate, still a really good friend, but he transferred and he was leading the team. He was 16-point-a-game guy back in 98, 99 as a sophomore. He transferred. Well, in my mind, he's not a Hoosier. Now, does Bob Knight need to come out and say that? No, but he's not. And that's just the reality of of a team, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I think you can understand that part. Um, And I think even from a fan, it'd be like, no, Luke, no, you're gone. That's just not the way it works. And, And Luke knows that. And we call him an Iowa Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, where he graduated from. So I think you can understand that the component. You know, we're we're pretty smart, we coaches, about not calling guys out. Um, right. But I think that um, the frustration from us all, and I think I was trying to explain that the other night on on our favorite social media outlet, <laughs> um, is 
one thing we're not illustrating well enough as coaches, and this is where Coach Izzo was, was just brilliant. He really was. And I told him that the other day. I said, Coach, I'm not trying to blow smoke up behind Dan, but it was, it was unbelievable what you said and how you said it. And he goes, really? Oh, well, I said, problem is, is no Spartans like Dockage, so they probably didn't listen. <laughs> yeah. Dockage is my man. And I'll tell you why. Because he recruited me. He's the one that recruited me mm. to Indiana. So I always got – I'm always pretty good with Double D, which I think you guys can appreciate. I, I've called yeah. him and, and uh, told him he's, he's on some BS, you know, with some of the things he says. But, man, it's hard to keep the airwaves filled as you guys – well, maybe not with me, but as you guys know, with good content and <laughs> told that line between controversial and getting fired. Uh, Big Sab doesn't care, but um, he doesn't have a Twitter boss. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I think that the thing that we coaches aren't illustrating well enough is, all right, the kid is the end. He's the one that ultimately, well, he may not be ultimately be the decision maker, but the player is the one that loses out because of the bad advice and transfers happen and some for good. But as we see right now, as we see as a staff, it, it, the grass is generally, generally not greener. And like, you know, Indiana, I'm not going to speak any negative negativity on it, but Indiana had um, Justin Smith transfer. And I yep. think you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But I think he's a three-year starter, right? It's he's, he so, started yeah. a lot of games for the Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah he's caused some some terror to us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. No kidding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I wasn't mad about that. I wasn't mad about that. Right. <laughs> and so, well, why do you transfer? And everybody has a yeah. reason. And I'm not going to speculate, but I'm a fan now. You transfer probably um, to score more right? To, to get better numbers? Well, I mean, where do you go to get better numbers? You know, like, and, and when, and you know, where, where do you go? You probably have to go down if you want better numbers. Yeah. You go to a lesser okay. program or, you know, you can say or the even conference and, you and all that, but coaches are trying to win the damn game, you know, yeah. like they're That's trying to job. win. You all but, have to make a personal sacrifice for the team. Everybody, everybody, needs to be reeled in just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Bit. And, and you know, I think we're trying to win the game, but we're trying to win it. You know, we're trying to win a championship. Right. And so, um, you know, it's it's prepping for, for, for this, and then it's prepping for long term. And you, you just – I just um, – you know, like I said, I'm not going to speculate on the transfer. I just – as a generic or as a general idea from a – I guess an outside perspective, like where do you go in order to get better numbers from from a Big Ten team? You yeah, know, probably you got to go down. Maybe um, you know you join Big Sav and and Spartan yeah. Dog in a in a heck of a <laughs> uh, Gus Macker league or a rec league. Yeah, yeah, we're and, not that good. We're not that good. No, probably like probably hey, like you, you know. got your center with Big Sav five nine. Yeah. We we do center. we do pretty well against fourth graders. It gets a little hairy once we get up to the fifth grade in middle school, but yeah. 
yeah. fourth graders we can handle. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the Big Ten, actually. You know, um, we this year we saw programs like, you know, Penn State and Rutgers kind of elevate themselves and yeah. get into, you know, conversation for, you know, tournament bids and conference championship bids, you know. Um, you're someone who both played and is now coaching in the Big Ten. You know, is this kind of the most balanced, do you think, that the conference has ever been? From top Man, to it, it really was. And it was funny. I, I was talking to not name dropping. I'm not a, I'm just a name searcher, not a name dropper. But <laughs> um, John Rothstein's kind of been a guy I like to talk to. And um, Seth Davis, you know, has his hands in the yeah. Big Ten a little bit. And uh, mm -hmm. I won't reveal, you know, that the top five were, were generally the top five, I think, across the board. Um, but it was just funny how it ended, you know, with the teams that we thought would maybe be like the last seven and how it actually played out. I, I tell you this, I think Indiana was a lot better than, than I thought they'd be. I still thought that they were a year away from, from, uh, getting to the tournament. Um, I thought that Iowa, um, Garza just, that was impressive. <laughs> hard. It yeah. really was. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Penn State, to be honest with you, I thought they were going to be pretty good, but they were really good. Um, you know, Maryland's always an unknown. Um, I know you know they're going to be good. The question is, is you know, like like any really good program, um, how good? Mm -hmm. uh, they got to put those those um, pieces the together. They have you know? the talent always. Um, I think Michigan was. Um, Michigan was was really good. I, you know, Teske, it looked like he ran out of gas a little bit. Maybe not. I don't know. I just um, – I thought they were really good. Um, it, it was impressive. Uh, they, they, they were impressive. Um, Wisconsin, you know, they, 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 had the, they had the pieces. Yeah. But they really came on. And then um, Ohio State, uh, we were just lucky that we, we didn't play them until the end of the year. And um, – you know, we, we played them at home. Yeah. They were cooking at the end of the year before that last game. They were cooking for sure. Yeah, they were, yeah, we were, we were pretty nervous. Yeah. Cause they beat down Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You guys seem then, like you're kind of, is big sav. You got some Michigan blood in you like me. <laughs> Actually, what's funny, a little background. Um, my parents uh, are like hardcore Indiana graduates my mom grew she went to bloomington south so i grew up an indiana fan ish yeah. like Is mostly why you're such a but i grew up in ann arbor <laughs> yeah yeah exactly no i grew up in uh, ann arbor so i i had like indiana michigan i didn't have Bath any michigan Master. state ties up Bath. first yeah there's What's very up? few michigan indiana guys and before i yeah. took the job at before i got the job at michigan state i was basically a michigan indiana guy yeah i mean like that's I why michigan i think blood, it's but indian yeah. Um, but I one of my first feel like there's tension between you and I, but it's, it's, it's okay. like, it's like tension, but love, because we know, I know that we have a similar, I mean, clearly you well, are for letting me a great in. basketball player. You're a great basketball player, but like, I, the, the, I mean, comparatively to anybody else that's, you know, talking on this, trash on Twitter. On this yeah. Um, but yeah, one of my first, uh, my parents, they went, they were Bobby Knight's, you know, diehard. My mom grew, they were, 
in their they're in their 60s now so in the heyday of bobby knight um i think my mom's senior year was the 76 season and then their senior yeah, it's went to South, not North. Wow. But like, it's crazy down there because my whole family knew about uh, Sean May um, yeah. growing up because my grandpa, you know, was like business friends with Scott May in Bloomington. Yeah. And so they, everybody knew about Scott May. i sorry, Sean May. And he went to North Carolina and won the title against MSU, at least in the mm-hmm. final four. But anyway, yeah. um, but yeah, one of my first experiences watching basketball was actually that 2002 Indiana team because like it's just it's just a different it's like a religion down there. Like they were like, "Oh man, crazy, like Indiana's back. Indiana's back." Because it had been yeah. maybe 8 years or so since yeah. the previous yeah. final four. I don't know. Yeah. He must be a Tom Coverdale fan, guys. You guys probably don't remember. Oh yeah. It's Dog 97. That was my fanboy that's, moment, right there. That's interesting. How, how, how do you not? How do you not? How do you not communicate with me offline on that big sound? I mean, good God. I don't know. I just never. I don't. I never. I, All I you don't do know. is I, rip into me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're, maybe we're maybe I can deep. Maybe I, mean, I can uh, dive in a little more because I think uh, their senior year was uh, the Isaiah Thomas year. Wow. Um, so yeah. I feel like he's kind of re- he's he's keeping me on the Indiana topic, but he's really trying to steer me away from. This bad, this tension between him and I, fellas. It's love. It's love. It's love. He's trying to steer the ship. He's trying to get the ship out of the, you know, he's trying to. Write I'm trying to make sure you don't rip Sav, into me. Uh, big Sav territory, the, the parameters of the Big Sav. Yeah. Hey, so you guys will find this interesting, though. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but my dad and brother played basketball at Michigan. Right. And um, I was Michigan football through and through. I mean, I, I was at the game against uh, Ed, Ed, Edwin Baker when they just came into the big house, and uh, I think it was um, – That was 2010, was, I think. Who was Michigan's – yes, yes. Who was Michigan's the, the, uh, Denard? Yeah. Oh, and shoelace. I, was, I, I, probably had my, I probably had a Michigan shirt on. <laughs> and Michigan State – Because that's a year before. Beat the hell out of them. Yeah. And I left. I was mad, man. I was mad. But I, I was there for the. Um, in fact, I left with a minute to go on the um, the fumble game. <laughs> a lot but I was there. I was there for Desmond's catch in the end zone against Notre Dame's great picture. We were on my brother's official visit. I was there for um, uh, the Hail Mary um, slash uh, Cordell Stewart. Oh my God! Um, I was at the <laughs> butt. I. I you know, I, I came by it honestly, leaving early for the fumble game because my dad was the king of, we got to beat the traffic, got to beat the traffic. So guess what the Fife family was doing? They were hustling outside the uh, big house when, when Colorado caught the Hail Mary. Yeah. So I didn't see it live. But I heard the crowd. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, it's um, – it's, uh, it's been interesting to, to see the differences in, in the Michigan State um, more or less the way to the, to the Michigan way, but, um, no matter what, I'm glad I'm a Spartan and, uh, I love everything about this place and the people and we're not perfect. And, um, but, but I love the way the, the culture of, it still has a, um, mom and pop feel. And I always like to mm-hmm. say that when I, when I went to Indiana, um, 
it had a mom and pop feel like it was still pretty things were still pretty seem seemingly pretty pretty simple like what you say you're gonna do you do um you know there's not big corporate crap coming in and trying to control and manipulate and seems like when coach knight got fired um that kind of caused a vacuum and i'm not positive but i think that you guys would know better but i think that um you know being around coach izzo for working for coach izzo going on 11 years now i think that um he's created the or been a played a major part in this this culture at michigan state and you know I'll go on record that to, to, to say that he's played a major role in the, um, the, the feel that you have where everybody kind of still sticks together. And when you're out on the road or when you're in some place that, you know, you're, you're at a gas station in Oregon, Hey, Michigan state, 90s class of 97 Spartan dog, Um, (laughs) even the go green, go white stuff. It's just, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive, but it doesn't stop there. It usually, it usually is a conversation. And I think that the way Michigan state seems to the students and the, and the alumni seem to embrace that. Like, no, I'm not just going to say go green, go white. I'm going to stop and say, what's up. Hey, my name's uh, Spartan dog 97. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I was there for the, this, or, or I was a student in the engineering school and it, it, it doesn't just stop at athletics. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's, like I said, somebody that was an engineering student that, oh, you play basketball? Oh, how'd they do this year? Oh, we just made it to the final four. No big deal. You know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you still have the conversation and you identify that you're, you're still Spartans and, and you both have a lot in common. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of have a story kind of, kind of similar to you where, you know, I grew up in a Michigan household. I was a Michigan fan and, you know, you know, my, you know, I, I wasn't quite, you know, good enough to get into Michigan, but, you know, I, you know, mm-hmm. I still, I fell in love with Michigan State's campus and, you know, I had, I had broken my ankle my first week up there mm. and I had on a whim decided to go to Ann Arbor and, you know, I knew some people there from high school who were going to go watch the game at someone's house and, you know, they essentially left me out to dry. So I was on a knee scooter, just scooting around downtown Ann Arbor, just trying to find somewhere to go. And I eventually, I see one of someone else I went to high school with. We weren't really tight, but you know, I came from a small Catholic high school. It was just kind of like, you know, everyone knew each other and he goes, Hey, I'm watching the game with some buddies, you know, come with, come with us, you know? And, and like, you know, these people I had never met before I'd, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen many of them since. And, you know, they kind of welcomed me in with open arms, you know, this little cripple on a knee scooter. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> yeah. What's up? And they just like welcomed me in, you know, they were all so cool. And like when that, when that trouble with the snap happened, it was like, it was so like, it was so electric and it was just like, oh. and that was like, that was the moment I fell in love with MSU. It was like, that right there, I was like, I knew I had found, I had made the right decision of where to go wow, to school. So I know exactly what you're talking about, that community experience, yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. And I, I you know, um, and big Sav, you can speak to this. Uh, yep. the, the, the rivalry with Michigan and Michigan state is it's every bit of Indiana Purdue. You know, what's funny. I, yeah. I can remember when I was little, we were driving to a, to a game back in the, um, the mid eighties, mid to late eighties and, and Michigan football was Bo was still there. You know, Harbaugh might've been graduated, but they had some, they were loaded. And there used to be these bumper stickers that said honk if you hate state. And <laughs> so I was the, you know, just a pain in the ass, you know, the baby of three boys always picked on just trying to get attention. Dad, honk, dad. Hey, there's one. Honk. Oh, and it was just honk, honk, honk the whole time. And it's funny because now when you drive on the highways, and I'm not bad bashing any, any school, but when you drive on the highways now, it's all Michigan State. And mm-hmm. it's just Michigan State played Spartans, and maybe that's just what my eyes are choosing to see. But, you know, I still got some, some, Hoosier? some love in my heart for for my days at Michigan, oh, my days that, that I spent rooting for those, those teams, you know, the, the, the Harbaugh teams or the Bianca Batuca teams, the yeah. Charles Woodson teams, you know, those guys were people that I idolized. And, you know, as much as, you know, one of the high school games, the, the big high school games that I remember, um, my first game that I'd watched without either my brother playing or my other brother or cousin um the very first high high school game that i watched was the great Dwayne stevens playing against chris weber at country day and so um wow and and coach stevens's team won but like right there Dwayne stevens was one of my idols um you know somebody that i that oh gosh man that guy's pretty cool uh you know and then he he went to play for michigan state so you know, I couldn't root for him. I mean, I was there, I was at the game. My brother was on the team when they beat, when Michigan came, the Fab Five came in and beat Michigan and were um, throwing some gestures up at the Spartan crowd. And uh, I was at the very, very top, but um, the very top uh, spot, but my mom took the seats down low, but it's, it's a great rivalry. And I think, you know, when guys like Coach Izzo and Juwan and, you know, Harbaugh, and it'll be interesting how, how co- I like what Coach Tucker's doing. You know, it's, it's um, the coaches got to, you know, they can, they can get away with a little more now with right. maybe lack of civility, but I still think that there's tremendous respect among them, you know, when mm-hmm. they get together and talk and all that stuff. It's, you know, they always used to say that Coach Knight and Coach Katie hated each other. And it just wasn't the truth. It never was the truth. I think they yeah. they low key find a way to to meet up in the summer and go hunt together or something. But when the when the lights were on, when the cameras were in their face, they they talk with some vigor and some, you know, and and in front of their players just to perpetuate that that intensity of the rivalry. One yeah, thing I've noticed. One thing I've noticed is that the the basketball rivalry, it seems to be way more toxic on the fan side than the actual players and coaches, at least in the past uh, beeline era to present. 
it seems like all the players are like kind of cool with each other. I mean, maybe not all of them, but like, it seems like there's a lot of respect and they grew up playing with each other. And even the coaches have mutual respect. And then the fans like just, I mean, there, there is still respect there, but like just the, the vibe, it seems way more toxic on the, on the fan oh, we don't side. Have, we don't, we don't have, uh, we don't have dream on Delson throwing. Yeah, that's true. Him. Yeah. It's changed since he left. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, now you the got time, Cassius and, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right. These guys, the problem is these guys grow up playing against with each other yeah. and playing against yeah. each other all the time. And they, you know, they stay connected with their phones and Instagram and <laughs> yeah, it kind of sucks. If you ask me, you know, that the, the, the in the Big Ten tournament, um, you know, you guys can remember when Charles Matthews, I think Charles went and hammered Nick Ward going in on the lay. If, yeah. Oh, lay. yeah. They, they did not like each other. That's the one example I can think of where I was like, those two did not like each other at all, yeah. Charles and Nick but, Ward. But, but knowing Charles, Charles is one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet. And and Nick's edgy, but Nick's a nice kid too. And mm-hmm. uh, but Well, him and Xavier are friends too. Yeah, and, and those Absolutely. are the things you need. Um, and so, you know, that's just a way to keep that edge because like you said, the fans, well, the fans are part of it. You know, we don't need the is on thinking we're, we're, we're going to come and get our, our hind ends beat by, by the Wolverines. And so, you know, you're looking for any edge you can. And so, you know, I, I, I would say that maybe coach or, or we might, uh, have a former player call when it's, when it's a big game like that like Michigan or, or somebody else. Yeah. And maybe throw some, maybe have Draymond, Draymond call in. And I saw Draymond hugging pool though. So yeah, that, that, oh, oh, he, yeah, that, that hurt. I mean, they're on the that Warriors. Hurt. That, yeah. Hurt. Yeah. that hurt. That hurt to see. I did not it's like kind of, Jordan pool as a, no, as a Michigan uh, Wolverine. No. He was a, as a, as a player, but when you see him off uh, off the court, you're like, he seems like a fun, nice kid, but like on the yeah, court, yeah. it was just, just out of control. It was so bad for as a fan of Michigan State. Yeah, Even, yeah well, yeah. that that Michigan team last year, like, I mean, they were a very, very good team. But just watching them, I couldn't stand them. Like, uh, Bras yeah. Dacus, he was just very outgoing. And, yeah. But beating they had, them they had a cocky in a row. Oh, yeah, yeah they, they, had, they had a cocky. But just being able – because, I mean, the year before, they kind of they kind of beat us in some, a couple big games there. But being yeah. able to come back and beat them for two championships, that was – that yeah. was amazing. I, I was how did that? How did that like the, that that twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen vibe between Michigan and Michigan State? That seemed like the biggest, like the most epic part of the rivalry in the past ten years. As a fan, to me, it was mm-hmm. like Michigan came in and Michigan State had the better team, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, even Michigan fans. And then they beat Michigan yeah. State. And then the next yeah. year, it was almost reversed a little bit because Michigan came out to a crazy hot start. And they were, you know, all the computers were saying they're number one or number two. By Duke was number one, but like, it was, it was so tense. Um, yeah. I just, how did that, you know, going into the 2019 season when you guys did the only time ever beating them three times, yeah. uh, when it was very competitive teams. It wasn't like Michigan yeah. was a was a very good team. I just, how was the the vibe and the the approach? I guess because that was it's something that all of us fans like so hold 18, very dearly to our hearts. So when you did from seventeen to eighteen, they went two and zero. They did the yeah. at Breslin at the Big Ten tournament, um, and that hurt as a fan because that the, even though the Final Fours mean so much to us in the Big Ten, it's like Michigan has become oh, yeah, yeah. a, a, a central part that of that. Yeah. yeah, and then and then the, the next year, as a fan, personally, 
full disclosure, I thought Michigan at the time because uh, Nick Nick was injured um, and Josh was injured. I had I didn't think you know there was any chance that we could win a Chrysler and then go in and that was one of the most fun regular seasons win, wins for me. I'm just kind of wondering like you know how that transpired as a team. I know how the focus and you know that kind of stuff. Well, I think you know. And my own personal example was when I was a player at Indiana my junior year, um, we were really good, but we didn't, we, weren't, we didn't do much damage in the NCAA tournament. And then we lost Kirk Haston, and Kirk Haston was a lottery pick. And everybody thought that we weren't going to be as good, um, and we didn't pick anybody up. But we ended up winning the Big Ten my senior year and going to a Final Four. We didn't win a Big Ten my junior year with Kirk. But something, the phenomenon happens where, so, you know, like a, like playing with Cassius, you know, a team guy may not be as aggressive. Well, why am I shooting when we got Cassius right here? Why am I being aggressive when we got Cassius right here? You know, like. You know, the, the element of, of um, you know, taking the back seat exists, and it's not always the case, but so like Josh Langford, um, we lost Josh, and that might have maybe allowed Matt McQuaid to, to, to not necessarily think that, you know, well, you know, give it up, let's get, get Josh a shot. We lost Nick Ward. Um, I think uh, it allowed X to to play with a little bit more, um, you know, freedom of a peace of mind where, God, I got to play great or I'm coming out, you know, because because Nick's waiting. And so if you can just play with if guys can learn to play with more of a peace of mind, they'll play to their capabilities. I mean, 90 five percent of the players don't play to their capabilities because of what goes on between their ears and um so that phenomenon i think happened to us going into that you know the well i guess the the 18 19 season that's the only way i could explain it and the fact that our lineup shrunk you know from from playing 10 guys which nobody nobody agrees with but um not even coach Izzo, but you know, you got to find a way to, to give a guy a chance to play that deserves to play. And so, um, you know, it, it really shrunk our lineup quite a bit and, and that's easier too, but that's right here where you, you're worried, you're worried, you're so worried about playing well that you, you, and, and not, you know, like I said, well, I, I got to play great. Otherwise Nick gets to, Nick's going to come back in. That that can weigh on a, especially a young guy that's not as confident, that doesn't understand what we're our objectives as well. And so, um, you know, like McQuaid, and McQuaid was brilliant, you know. And in that um, final, the Big Ten tournament final against Michigan, oh. he was incredible. And we had Cassius, just Cassius and X, and Kenny Goings, another guy that just played uh, brilliant. And um, you know, down the stretch there. And, uh, man, I just, you know, I sit there and think about that whole year, big Sav. And, uh, 
the Texas Tech game always comes up in my head. And I just stop and think like we, we all can agree that everybody would have a really good idea of what we could have done different to win that game. And yet you sit there and Aaron Henry picks up two fouls. It was so hot in there. It was so hot in that gym. And look at McQuaid. He was just dead. And we had to play Cassius. You know, Gabe Brown didn't hit the shots he, he we would we expected him to hit. I don't know. Do you try somebody else? Do you put somebody else in? It wasn't like Texas Tech was scoring at an incredible pace. No. You know, and that's kind of where I say, well, you know what? You might try somebody else, you know, um, or put in, you know, you guys, the, the hot topic of putting in someone with two fouls. Um, <laughs> yeah. You put Aaron back in. Yeah. I say absolutely not because Aaron is picking up that third. Yeah. And then what Aaron do you do the second him. half with that? Yeah. Yeah. No, but, and like you said, like Texas Tech, they were not lighting up the scoreboard. I mean, Jarrett Culver was basically, I don't yeah. want to say useless, but he wasn't doing much yeah. offensively. Yeah. He's Matt Moody, or he yeah. scored a couple points. And, no. and then we had it a was... chance to – I mean, we were down. We had that McQuaid three at the end oh. of the game. I mean, that he was – just that. tired. That, that, that's yeah. the shot he hits nine times – Borderline ten times out of ten. I, I thought, especially it was in big moments. Really Me yeah. too. I thought it was that's, going like the end of the last season. Like I think going into the final four, I think a lot of fans are in agreement that for the first time we felt Michigan State was the premier program going into that yeah. final four. Like it yeah. felt like it felt like our our championship to win or lose, and mm-hmm. it almost felt like that Duke game was the de facto title. Um, mm-hmm. But then even like looking back after losing to Texas Tech, it wasn't. It wasn't like a, a losing to UConn in the Elite Eight. We're just like, man, we really like this season's a disappointment. If like last year's team, if like it ranks up there for everybody. I mean, yeah. just what they were able to accomplish, and just like even though we were so close to winning a championship, I think we would have beaten Virginia uh, just because yeah. Izzo kind of has their number. Has, yeah, yeah. it's a good matchup for us. It's a yeah. good matchup. Right, it's just um, tough to look back on last season and be like, well, that's a disappointment. Just, especially oh, especially yeah. with how this season ended too it's just yeah. kind of like yeah. it's like a it's kind of like a double it's like a double stab to the heart you know it's just kind of uh-huh. like we were so close and then it's like you didn't even get the chance you know you know yeah. what's funny guys is our least talented team since i've been here are the ones that made it to the final four yep. and least yep. talented factoring in that josh was hurt and nick was hurt um mm-hmm. you know but Everybody wants to make a big deal out of, um, let's say, the Syracuse game um, and that team. But we didn't get good last year until the end of the year. Well, why? Why? Because we have new cogs in the wheel. You know, we're not going to show up and just beat, just beat people. You know, mm-hmm. and even the team that that playing against Syracuse, you're going to take jump shots against Syracuse. You know, yeah. we got, I think, what did we have? 35 offensive rebounds? Just some it kind was, of it was astro- complete domination. 20, 27, all, 27 or 29. Just yeah. astronomical. But can we go back and say, I can find 10 things, big coaching mistakes that we made. So can you guys. But, um, you know, the, the bottom line was, you know, you don't factor what's going on 
in between players' ears. Mm-hmm. Now, Miles Bridges in the middle of that zone, it, he wasn't ready for that. It just, he was not ready. I think if you ask him in a lucid moment, you might get a, yeah, or you might get a hell no. You know, it yeah. was, Miles was a, was a, was a guy that hadn't been coached a lot in high school. Yeah. You know, he, what he did, he earned, but understanding those type of movements at that time, no. Yeah. It's and like learning, Nick, learning on the go. Yeah. And Nick Ward was st- Nick Ward, same deal. Like Nick Ward was great in the post, but moving without the ball, it was more, um, it was very, re, it was very uh, reactionary, as in mm-hmm. late instead of uh, kind of the timing. So, you know, it, it just you got to be clicking, man. And and why we were so good down the stretch last year is everybody was working on a string on offense. Like right. Cassius turns the corner, guys know exactly where they go. And it is the difference, like one step, okay, literally a step, we'll say this big, which is, I don't know, every step's different, but we'll say it's, it's uh, just, just short of a yard. One step can be the difference between being wide open or being not open at all. And though, if you think about it like that, you know, they say football is a game of inches. Well, so is basketball. And the way kids are taught right now, kids are taught with the basketball at all times translation they have no idea how to move without the ball right zero and and again Mm -hmm. you go one step one step here if i'm here i'm wide open if i'm here the guy's hand is in the passing lane we can't get if we get you a pass and you're open if we if we throw you that pass, okay, and there's an arm in the way of a ch- of a catch and shoot guy, and there's an arm in that path, I have to throw it over. I have to throw it over that hand or under that hand, which means I'm I'm costing you really important seconds or milliseconds, which tens of hundreds of seconds. Is there such thing mm-hmm. as milliseconds? Hundreds of seconds. Yeah. yeah. And that time it takes a player. Like Steph Curry's probably the fastest I, I've seen. And his his shot, he can get a shot off at a good shot, catch and shoot at point four, like four tenths of a second. A good mm-hmm. shot. The average player or the average college player, Matt McQuaid, uh, whoever, they're probably at point seven five. But there's a huge difference between a guy being on you. And this might be boring your 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 fan no, base, this fellas. Is, no, no, this, this is, is this probably, is like, this yeah. is the most stimulated I've ever been in like months. So honestly. <laughs> yeah, but no, if this you is think good stuff. of Thanks, if you think of Big Sav and his ability to close out on a shooter, mm-hmm. so if you if you the difference between a guy being able to get his hand get his hand to here versus here, <clears throat> excuse me, all the way above his head. I mean, you make that motion. That is a how long would it take? Uh, two tenths of a second, right? Yeah. So um, the point is that it is played in like hundreds and maybe thousands of a second because it's just the difference between a contested and uncontested shot is huge, especially yeah. for a three-point shooter. Yeah. 
And one thing that, that comes to my mind immediately when you kind of bring that message up is the Duke game, the Final Four game. Because earlier in that game, Kenny Goins had a shot that Zion Williamson came up and blocked <laughs> at this yeah. almost the exact same spot that, we're, that we came out of the timeout and had the set play. So I'm, that's probably where the, you could give a great example of just one foot, one yard. Because who knows, if they, if they make the same steps that they did earlier in the game, we yeah. might not have been in the Final Four. That's right. And, and it really is just the difference of your hand being here and here, and it takes, what, two hundredths of a second. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, Spartan Dog 97's 40 times. <laughs> another thing that, that I think of is specifically the chemistry between uh, Cassius and Xavier Tillman oh, uh, the past two incredible. years. And it would yeah. seem like Cassius was, you know, had, you know, two or three people on him, and then all of a sudden – flips it up and Tillman is already in the air dunking the ball. And you're like, it, it's yep. just, it's just crazy. The chemistry that they, those two specific people had, obviously there was um, specifically the, the 2018, 19 team. There was, I, I felt that was the most, uh, the, the best chemistry I've ever seen um, on a Michigan state team because of the, the talent, the NBA talent, I would say um, at least in their age and yep. the upperclassmen, it was, it was not that high comparative to mm -hmm. some of the other teams. And, the chemistry was so well and everybody was just on the same, you know, wavelength. And, yeah. you know, that, that cash is to, to Xavier, uh, you know, pick and roll, uh, alley-oop stuff that they were doing all the time. And yeah. that was awesome that, you know, the, the record breaking assist was exactly that. Yeah. It was like, he would just put yeah. it up and Xavier dunked it yeah. right away. But you know what? It's funny. You talk about that. It's, Cassius and X struggled at the start of this year. They did. Uh -huh. They did. Yeah. And we kept, well, maybe they don't like each other, blah, 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 blah. But no, <laughs> fellas, we had dudes in the game that had no idea what to do. I yep. mean, Rockets, right. a freshman. Rockets had the ball. If there's 32 minutes, he had the ball for um, 31 minutes and 58 seconds in his high school games. He yep. has no idea what he's doing out there throwing the ball he's amazing but you know that was the difference between like rockets rock you got to slide up when x rolls down the lane so that guy can't guard you both and it just took that long and i think if you go back to that tillman play um the record assist the, the assist record you'll see some guys moving on a string and that's what we were missing for for most of the year we had new dudes gay brown's playing more you know, Rocket, uh, Aaron's even playing a lot more. Um, it's a struggle, fellas. It is a struggle from our standpoint because it is. It's getting guys not only where to move but when to move, the timing. Yeah. And when you've got a guy like Cassius who isn't just going to out-athlete somebody, you've got to have those – you've got to have those other four guys move into the right spots because – You'd see a lot this year. I mean, it drove me nuts. Travis Strice used to do this. <laughs> guys, th 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 there's a drive to the middle on offense, and the guys on the opposite side are both looking to get themselves open, okay? And they end up standing right next to each other, and nobody's open. Mm -hmm. And instead of recognizing, well, I'm not going to get the shot on this play, but if Cassius kicks it to the corner – and I'm on the I'm on the same side wing. That's where I'm going. I may got get the direct pass from Cassius, but I'm going to stay here because there's one guy guarding two, 
me and my teammate in the corner because another guy slid to help on Cassius's drive. So I might get the shot if my man drops to take that corner three away. So I'm just going to wait here, even though I'm not open from, from the direct pass from Cassius. And that's really been hard um, to get guys to understand that every play, dude, is not for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> And that's, that's the truth. Like, dude, the play is not for you. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you bring up this kind of, you know, player development. You know, I think that especially in the NBA, there's this interesting evolution going on where it's less about, you know, here's your point guard and here's your shooting guard and here are your forwards, here's your center into more of a positionless spacing game. You know, your dad is a high school coach. Are you guys, you know, kind of talking about how how these guys are how these guys are you know coming to him and then to you about you know what about what they're learning you know because AAU is such a expansive enterprise now that you know it's not crazy to think that every high recruit is going to have the ball in their hands all the time both at their high school and in their Mm -hmm. and in their AAU circuits you know everyone's the superstar until they step on to the college court and yeah then they, then they're, you know, then they're not, you know, how do you kind of, how do you kind of, how do you get them to unlearn, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's the, that's the part of it is, is that spills over into the recruiting process too. You've got to unrecruit them. I mean, you, you do when you recruit and when you sell, you know, coach always characterizes every coach in this business as used car salesman, because we're going to sell, everything that's good about what we have to offer. Um, and we sell these, these, these visions. Some go way, some coaches go way overboard in other programs, but we don't need to get specific. Um, but nonetheless, these kids, they're recruited by other programs too. Well, Hey, look, why, you know, I got six shots this game. You know, I had this other program, uh, telling me they were going to get me 15 shots a game and let me be point guard. Like what a, you know, so you've got to, you've, you've got to balance, I guess, in order to try to prevent all that stuff from happening. I think we do a pretty good job of balancing, Hey, we're going to sell this guy something incredible, but we also got to sell him exactly who he is and what kind of player he is and how not only do we view him, but how he's viewed in general as a player and, Part of that is just having the relationships with the people close to the, to the, to the prospect. And, um, but, you know, un, un, untraining somebody, it's tough. You know, it's, it's really tough because they, you know, the NBA loves to complain about, well, we don't get any guys that know how to move without the ball. Nobody knows how to move the ball and pass. And, yeah. and um, I used to say, hey, gosh, these high school coaches, what are they teaching them? And then it dawned on me one day. It dawned on me. It was the damnedest thing. I thought, what the hell is the NBA bitching about? Why are they bitching? They're the ones we're all watching. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. They know how to pass and, and, and move because you guys don't pass and move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, teaching uh, kids because that's what you guys do. You sit around and watch James Harden the whole time. Yeah, I was just going right, to say it's yeah. Houston. People yeah. watch Houston Chris on Paul national run television. A game, yeah. 
Yeah, they watched Houston play 30 times a day a year on national television, and just James Harden dribbles the air out of the ball and launches a, a traveling step-back three. It's like that's not – and then you watch the Warriors who are on the other end of the spectrum, who I think – if correct me if I'm wrong, but Tom Izzo, he's worked with Steve Kerr to kind of get some offensive bit, philosophies yeah. from him. Yeah, and you watch Golden State play. It's beautiful. Well, and I think one, one, one guy, and you've got guys that really know how to play, and that is mm-hmm. Steph. Draymond had a great coach in high school and then obviously college. Trey, or Clay Thompson is one of the best cutters I've ever seen. Yeah. And oh, then yeah, Steph, definitely. you know, Steph, Steph grew up with a, you know, a dad that um, has just a, you know, a brilliant basketball mind and you can really tell. Uh, and there's just a few programs that NBA programs that are really good at that. And that's, that's the um, Spurs and, and the Warriors. And there's probably a few other teams, but you know, you got to go with what wins and I don't necessarily fault the NBA, but for quit bitching, about yeah. us not teaching the kids and the high school coaches not teaching the kids how to move without the ball. We're all watching you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the moral of the story is just watch the Warriors. Yeah. yeah, right. It's almost like the parent blaming the teacher instead of the parent blaming themselves in that scenario. Which is pretty common. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I think this is a good point to wrap up. Coach Fife, thank you so much for coming on. Um, this was a, an immense pleasure. Uh, you're welcome back on anytime. We'll we'll work around you. You want to come on? We'll be ready for you in five minutes. So, uh, <laughs> hey, thank you when. so much. This was great, and uh, you know we hope to talk to you again real soon. You bet, anytime, fellas. Good to see you guys, Big South. One day it's <laughs> yeah. like Kramer. Are we, you're gonna reveal your face here. <laughs> um, but in, anyway, in yeah. You guys say in due time if you're lucky. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's good to see you guys. Good to meet you. And I look forward to, to uh, bantering back and forth with you on Twitter soon. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, fellas. Thanks again. Appreciate Love, it, coach. Yep. Place where I come let go in Miami, the base and the sunset low. Every day, like a Mardi Gras, everybody party all day. No work, all play, okay? So we sip a little something, later rest the spill. Me and Charlie at the bar, running up a high bill. Nothing less than ill when we dress to kill. Every time the ladies pass, they be like, Can y'all feel me? All ages and races, real sweet faces, every different nation Spanish, Haitian, Indian, Jamaican, black, white, Cuban, or Asian. I only came for two days to play it, but every time I come, I always wind up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. Storms ain't nothing to mess with, but I can't feel a drip on the strip. It's a trip. Ladies have dress full of your quip, and they be screaming out. So I'm thinking I'ma scoop me something hot in this house. Summer rain game melting pot. Hottest club in the city, and it's right on the beach. Temperature, get the yard, uh, it's about to reach. 500 degrees in the Caribbean seas with the hot mommy screaming. Every time I come to town, they be spotting me. In the drop Bentley, ain't no stopping me. So cash in your dough and flow to this fashion show. Pound for pound, anywhere you go. Yo, ain't no city in the world like this. And if you ask, have another guy.
city that we know don't sleep And we all know that LA and Philly stay jiggy But on the snake, Miami bringing heat for real Y'all don't understand I've never seen so many Dominican women with sentiment tans Mira, this is the plan Take a walk on the beach, draw a heart in the sand Give me your hand, damn you look sexy Let's go to my yacht in the West Keys Ride my jet skis, lounge under the palm trees Cause you gotta have cheese for the summer house Peace on South Beach Water so clear you can see to the bottom Hundred thousand dollar cars, everybody got them Ain't no surprise in the club to see slides alone, Miami, my second home